Good morning on this Monday. Hey, I want to talk about something that I've been, that's been in my spirit and I, I've been thinking about as far as uh, my past and where God has brought me to. Thinking about the difference between two very extremes that, that I've been in in my Christian walk. Many, many years as a Christian, I I believe I was saved, but I was still walking in condemnation. I was not set free. And I believe that if God had, if Jesus had come back, that I would have made heaven my home. But I certainly was not free. I had come from uh, a teaching of that that in my own mind I had interpreted and um, as God being a very forceful God and a very judgmental God, a God that was he only accepted perfection. And anything other than perfection um, was sin. Well, that's a lot of pressure to put on. You know, in my case, I, I was saved at eight. And I tried to walk in Christ from that day forward, but was a miserable Christian. <laughs> and it was miserable because I just didn't have the unconditional love of God. I didn't feel yet, understand yet that he loved me and I was okay. I felt like I was always not okay. And as long as I was feeling that I was not okay, then of course I was at war with myself because I loved the Lord. I knew that he loved me, but there was conditions on his love toward me. So and it was it was a it, it was a really kind of I, I want to say it this way kind of a bipolar relationship where we as long as I was doing well and to do well is extreme because you know I'm trying to figure out life and of course I'm I'm not going to be righteous in all my ways because I'm still learning and I'm still trying to grow but here I was in this bipolar relationship with God. Um, as long as I was doing extremely well, I felt I could have communication with him. As soon as I made a mistake, I went into silence with God. I felt shunned. In my mind, I was being shunned by God because I didn't match the standards. I didn't meet the standards. I wasn't able to do it his way. And so now I have sinned, and because I've sinned, he is against me. And I would just go into shutdown mode. Well, for years that happened, and and the and it was so much more extreme in my mind and in my heart at the time. It was just a lot of shame. You know, if I would do something wrong, I would go into guilt, shame. Uh, I would feel shunned. I would feel disconnected from God. And it was just a really hurtful place for me to be. But one day I was walking down the street and 
I had done something that I had felt was a sin or, or was wrong. And all at once in my mind, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I'm not worried about what you've done or your sin. I'm more worried about the next three days that you're going to stop communicating with me. And it was that light bulb, light bulb morning uh, moment that kind of went on my house like, wow, I do do that. I, I do do that. And I guess maybe I thought that he did that too. But apparently from that comment, no, he doesn't do that. So I certainly knew I did that. I went into shame mode. That was my shame mode. It's quiet. Don't really talk to God until you have spent three days being full of shame. And then finally you can start coming out of that shame and start recovering, you know. But um, I remember him saying that. And at the time I was like, wow. Yeah. So because of that, I thought I started to open my eyes to say, to, you know, to continue the you know communication with the Lord and to um, just what do you do I'm sorry I, I'm sorry should be is it enough you never felt like it was enough saying sorry for what you've done doesn't feel enough when you're talking to the Lord especially when you know it's something that more than likely you're going to fall prey to again because it's kind of a stronghold in your life it's still something you may desire or it's still something like if it's um I don't even remember what the actual sin was, but let's just say, for instance, it was me getting an attitude with somebody and snapping back. Well, that to me was always like one of the, I hated being that way, but I grew up in a home that way. That's kind of how we responded when we became mad or if somebody offended us, we kind of just snapped back. Well, I knew I didn't want to snap back. It made me feel ugly and it, I, I certainly didn't feel like it was godly. It wasn't turning the cheek, if you will. So I remember then sometime later that I ended up, I, I used to walk in the warehouse that I was, that I worked at. Uh, and as I was walk, I would always pray and talk to the Lord. Well, one day, just after that particular conversation and remind you, this is a time of my life when God was beginning to take layer after layer and changing and healing my thinking, my emotions, uh, just really doing a change in my life. It had come at a time when I had the greatest pain that I had ever been exposed to. And that pain began to be the greatest gift I had ever gotten. Because now I was in a position of total exposure, total, I was totally vulnerable, and I needed a miracle from God. I wasn't going to turn to drugs and alcohol and I wasn't going to turn to, you know, relationships. I was going to turn to God at that time in my life, regardless of any outcome. And of course, anytime you do that, you know, you know that God is going to respond in a great way. And so because my mind was set, I was, and because of the great deal of pain that I was in, I was vulnerable, uh, just as a baby in the arms of their, their parent. So I was in the warehouse and, um, I had already, I had always had this, uh, 
more of a dictatorship type relationship with God. I genuinely loved him and I knew his great, I knew his beautiful stories in the Bible and I knew that through all of my life I've had him there to talk to and to get me through and to counsel me through things and and I have felt his love. I mean, you know, as long as I was doing well, I mean, the greatness that I felt with his love, it was only when I had not done so well that I began to feel that uh, shame, guilt, and rejection. But um, I was walking in the warehouse, and the Lord told me um, that he was looking for a friend. He longs for people that are a friend to him. And when I think of being a friend, it takes away the whole dictatorship. It takes the whole thing where you're, you know, he's so above you that you can't even connect to him and, and, and that you're constantly under him. It was like a friend. Wow. That means, and I, and, and at that moment, the Holy Spirit began to just deal with me on what is a friend? What does that look like to you? And I was like, okay, well, a friend is somebody that you can completely confide in. And at the point of confiding in each other, you are you are um, not judging one another. So, whatever, as a friend. If I were to tell you that this is what I struggle with, that you would console me, you would say I understand, you would, you would, uh, we would just be able to confide in each other on all of our feelings and our thoughts. And even the Lord would be able to confide in me with his feelings and his thoughts. And so... As the Lord began to unfold that in my mind and in my heart, I I felt him saying, I don't want people to serve me because they are afraid of hell. I don't want people to serve me because they're afraid I'm going to do something to them. And prior, with all this other false doctrine, doctrine in my head, the lies of the enemy in my head, I had also believed that bad things came from God. Somehow, and it seems so foreign to me to to think that this now, because it's such a silly thought, but I do believe back in those days that even then I thought that God allowed, or maybe even caused them. I I don't know. It's, but at that time I was being delivered of, of that. Like he was, he was, um, teaching me that he doesn't cause sicknesses, that he doesn't cause all these bad things. I had had many different bad things and all of us have, it's not, I'm sure we have, we all have a story, but I had had so many things happen to me. And I thought, God has been, I couldn't put together the fact that I had been saved since I was eight. And ultimately I'd really been with the Lord all my life, even as a, even before the eight, you know, that he had been with me and I had felt him. And I, I come from a home of that believed in Christ and we went to church and stuff. So it wasn't like, even though I at eight years old gave my heart, I still felt connected to him uh, at a younger age, pretty much all of my life. 
but I had had so many bad things happen and I couldn't put together the fact that my father, the heavenly father was with me and yet I went through such bad things. I could not connect that love there. How could he love me if I was going through so many things that, that he couldn't, he couldn't stop or that he wouldn't stop or that maybe he even caused. And, um, so I had to grow in wisdom on that as well, knowing that there are things that are going to come at you. And this is when he began to unfold that thinking. It's where it's like, things are going to come at you. And if he does, and he sees them coming, but if he can see a purpose in it and he can see it delivering me and he can see it opening my eyes or he can see me growing through it, he allows it to come on into my life. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't uh, thrill him to see me hurting, but he knows out of the hurt's going to come the growth. And so... And then there are areas where there are times I've put my own self in harm's way. And he has called out to me to pull me back from that situation. And I kept walking into that situation. And eventually, I began, I got burnt. I got very, very uh, damaged from that situation. But it was due to me walking out of God's will and into the enemy's uh, camp. So, I began to learn that. I began to learn that he has been a friend to me and that he wants me to be, he doesn't want me to serve him because I'm, I'm afraid that, you know, financially I'll go under, or I'm afraid that I'm going to go to hell, or I'm afraid, I'm afraid I fear. So serving God out of fear was not being a friend to him. So he began to teach me how to be a friend. He began to teach me who in my thoughts was him because I had been so confused and I had been so bound all of those years that I could not figure out. And, and, and you know, what a great position for the enemy when he can convince you that his thoughts that he places in your mind are coming from God. Wow. Wow. That's a powerful place he had in my mind. There were times where I just couldn't tell if that thought was of God, if that thought was from me, or if that thought was from the enemy. But I remember one time I was in my laundry room and something had, I had something, a thought had come to my mind and the thought was uh, forceful and it was full of dictatorship. It was like domineering. It was um, just forceful and um, it, it's that spirit that had me bound was communicating that with, with me. And I went to obey that spirit, which it wasn't telling me to do something bad. It was just being, uh, I was doing something in the laundry room and it was telling me where to, I can't remember the exact thought, but it was basically just aggressively telling me where I needed to do something and put something. And, um, maybe I was going to put it over here. And then once that 
aggressive voice told me, no, you should put it over here because, uh, you know, for whatever reason. So it wasn't about this major thing that I, you know, it, it, this thought, this voice just wanted to keep control of my thinking. It didn't want me to, it wasn't going to possess me to the point, like possess me. It wasn't going to get me to do diso, you know, foolishness, you know, go out and harm people. It wasn't like that. But see, that voice doesn't need to always lead you to do bad things. He, I had a good heart. I just... It wanted to control my thinking. It didn't want to set me free so that I was able to then understand and hear from God. And so all at once, I had the voice hit my head and, you know, and I went to do something and the Holy Spirit says, that's not me. Told me that wasn't him. And I just stopped, literally dead stopped and began to go in the spirit and really focus. And I said, he said, I don't talk to you that way. what? He said, I don't talk to you that way. He said, I'm a loving, kind God. I'm gentle. And I was like, whoa. Because all these years that, that, that voice, that, that thought, I suppose, that, that way it came at me, I thought that was the way God talked to me because he was a leader and he was God and he was the fire that consumes and he is that, you know, he's so powerful and he takes down lions and he's just this, you know. So I had, I, I, was, I was twisted. I was twisted in my thinking. And all of these years, the enemy was able to convince me And control me through that domineering voice. So when these are light bulb moments going off in my life, like you could have probably said things like that before these, you know, things could have been trying to stir and being said, but I'm telling you what, I'm giving you moments when the light bulb went off. Okay. So things may have been said before that, that should have went off. Light bulbs should have gone off, but they didn't. But I'm remembering and I'm telling you the moments when my brain, my, my thinking started to change. The light bulb went off and I was like, whoa. So thereafter, here we got, we've got him telling me communication. Don't stop the communication, which I had done. We've got him saying, I want you to be my friend and really begin it. When he says that, that's the seed. Okay, that's not the watering of it. That's not the, the blooming of the seed. That's the, he planted that seed. And when he planted that seed, the Holy Spirit began to spend days, months, and even years unfolding and developing that plant into the beautiful, um, a beautiful rose, rose bush or a beautiful tree, whatever way you want to see that. So there it was. He had talked about me about not excommunicating with him. He had talked to me about understanding, hey, this is not my voice. This is the enemy's voice in your mind. He had talked to me about being a friend to him. So we are on, we are on a path of healing just between the two of us. I needed healing between me and God because he 
the God that I had created in my mind through the works of the enemy, through my thinking, had created a God that was not loving. There was no grace giving in the God that I have had. So with all of this unfolding, I began to listen to Andrew Womack and I began to hear him talk about grace and, 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 you know, before I'll be honest with you, before I even started listening to Andrew Womack, the Lord started placing stuff in my spirit. He started planting seeds about this grace. But then Andrew Womack came in at that time and began to, and a friend at work also began to really take me down that path. But I'll tell you what, when I first, when I first started listening to this grace, I kept rejecting it at first. I was like, I mean, I just kept rejecting it because it, you know, that's scary. It was very scary to take on a complete different way than I was taught. And I told God at first, I mean, I, I wrestled with it. I kept rejecting it, but it kept coming back to me. It wouldn't leave me alone kept coming back to me. And I finally, um, I remember one day I was at the warehouse walking and I just stopped. I literally stopped dead in my, my walk. And I said, okay, God, I said, okay. I said, I've got a lot of different things coming to my mind. I'm, I mean, I'm starting to think differently folks. I'm talking, I'm starting to think differently and it's kind of scaring me because I want more than anything to be in the will of God. At no point did I want to make my life. And I told God this. I said, Lord, I'm not trying. I said, I do not desire to make things easier for me to serve you so that I'll serve you. I just desire to get it right. I said, Lord, I want to, I want to do your will, your plan. And it's not about making it easy for me. I said, but this will not leave me. And I said, I'll be on, I said, here it is. I said, I'm not trying to create this. I didn't look down this path. I didn't, I didn't even do, I said, this is, this is, I believe it's you. I said, so I'm going to go down this rabbit trail, this bunny trail. And I said, and it's on you. And I told the Lord, I said, it's on you. I said, because I've not asked for this. So if this, if, if I go down this bunny trail and it doesn't, and it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's not of God. I said, I, I, that's on you because I didn't ask for this. It just keeps pulling me this way. I said, and so that day I said in my heart, I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and go down what I'm seeing in the spirit, what the Holy Spirit keeps bringing to my spirit. I'm not going to reject it anymore. I'm going to go down this path and wherever it leads me, it's on you because I'm telling you right now, father, I am not trying to make my life easier just so that I'll serve you. And I felt like we just kind of almost shook hands in the spirit with it. You know, we came under that agreement, you know, yes. So when we did that, just, I mean, man, it, life began to unfold the spiritual place that God ended up taking me, the growth that I, the deliverance, the amount of just on each little subject, I had been bound just in every single, almost every thought had me bound. I had, I was just in a false doctrine, almost in a, I'll be honest with you, I had a cult mind. And I remember one day, 
in that warehouse, the Holy Spirit says, rebuke and bind the spirit of religion on you. Well, I didn't think I had a spirit of religion on me. And so I was like, what? <laughs> okay. You know, by this point, I'm just like, hey, whatever. You know, I, I'm on this bandwagon because this bandwagon is keeps setting me free. So I, I had no problems. I mean, I, I, you know, I thought it was very interesting. Um, but I certainly knew that it probably was true. I mean, I, I had no problem quickly believing just because of everything that I had been getting set free of and everything that that uh, was false doctrine pre, pre, previously. So I just said, I began to rebuke and bind the spirit of religion in my life. And then, you know, obviously I began to realize, open my eyes up to what was the spirit of religion and what does that even look like? And, and so, um, there, thereafter, I just completely started to walk in freedom and it, walking in freedom is not something that, um, everyone around me was doing. So I was being set free, but it felt like a lot of people around me were not being set free. And that can be a little bit, uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? That can be a little bit troubling because now you're seeing life quite different. You're seeing God quite different. And um, you're not in a group of people that's seeing it with you. You're not in a group of people that is able to walk in the freedom you're walking in, see in the light that you're you're in, and um, what do you do with that? You know, what do you do with that? Well, anyways, so basically that's the part I want to share uh, as far as the extreme place I used to be to where God began to bring me to freedom, Okay. Now, here's the thing. I think, even though we walk under grace, and I and I feel secure in my salvation with the Lord, now that freedom has caused me to grow closer to God and to sin less. So, where I once was afraid of sin, I no longer had to be afraid of sin. When I did have things that I would do that I knew was a sin, <clears throat> um, the next thing I had to deal with was pulling back from that sin because now there's a place of freedom. When I first got free, I'll be honest with you, uh, I it's kind of like I, I watched the show where the Amish get set free from their their religion or their church or whatever, and before you know it, they are out acting like a bunch of crazy people. And and certainly I didn't go to that realm because I had already done that that stuff. But I certainly was free enough to where I let myself do things that I don't do now. Let's put it that way. Because I felt free. I was so excited and thankful and, and just everything to be free that I literally took it to uh, a, uh, another place. But here's the thing. I knew that even if it wasn't of God or if it was a problem that I needed to grow past this thing. I didn't feel like I was I didn't feel like I wanted to hide 
the sands. I didn't want the sin to be in my heart and me not necessarily do it. If it was in my heart, that was my biggest concern. So I wanted to grow past um, the desires. And that's where I began to pray. It wasn't like I said, oh, I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to fight this urge to do it. It was more like, this is what's in me, Father. Can you help get this out of me? Even if I did it. Say, say let's just be simple and say uh, smoking, for instance. If... Instead of me wrestling with smoking, I would go ahead and smoke because I was under freedom, first of all. And not only that, it wasn't something I want to hit inside of my heart. I wanted to deal with it. So, um, I smoked, praying the whole time, but not feeling condemned and on my way to hell and shame anymore for doing it. And that's part of the freedom. You're not under this shame, guilt, death, kill, you know, this, this horrible feeling anymore. You're doing it, but it doesn't have the power that it once had over you. So it once was able to condemn you to hell and now can't condemn you to hell. But as I grow in God, it makes me want, I want to obviously be closer to God and less closer to the flesh and the desires of my flesh. And, um, and I understand that there are Christian people who do not feel that do not feel bound to necessarily the uh, the strictness that they have believed God to be, and they do not feel bound to that. Now, for me, that I felt bound. That made me feel like I had to suppress so much inside of me versus letting that stuff out and uh, maybe dealing with it. Now, there is one thing that for a while afterwards that I didn't feel um, a total sin to, which was uh, alcohol. I felt at that moment, if you could control the amount of alcohol you drank and you had a, 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 um, a moderation that you were, and, I, and maybe I still do for some people, I know culturally, people. some people drink wine with their meals or sometimes they drink in social events or at weddings and they do not feel convicted of that. So I know that there is a liberty given to some and that has got to be so hard for the religious spirit to hear. But I, I just, I, I know, I know that, you know, if you were to go to a Jewish wedding, you're going to drink wine. People get, you know... It just seems like they have a better tolerance for it because they didn't have to go from... And I'm not saying that some people there won't get heavily drink too much. But it seems like in an environment where you're suppressed from it, it causes you to become unable, un, untrained in it. It's almost like... And I always think of the Amish. And when I watch those Amish shows that get, you know, that are leaving from the Amish, they end up being so extreme because they have no temperance. They have no moderation. They have no... Uh, compass. They have no balance there. So they tend to go to the extreme, an unnecessary extreme. So, uh, but I think uh, people that are, are, are raised around that and are exposed to that are not, I, I feel like they oftentimes have more tolerance and or, uh, not tolerance, um, more um, temperance and moderation approach. 
than people who have been from one extreme to the other. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Um, and if it doesn't, hopefully the Holy Spirit will will unfold that in your mind. But the so when I was first set free, I began to not really worry about. I mean, if I were to drink, uh, um, it was not so. I wasn't afraid to drink anymore. Um, but for me, I eventually learned that I don't have a, a moderation with drinking so therefore I would take it too far and it would just open doors in my life so I wasn't somebody that could drink a glass of wine because a glass of wine made me want the second glass and the second glass would I would be afraid that the enemy in my mind would say you better have another glass because you're going to lose that feeling you're having right now that joy you're having right now with it because you know alcohol will bring a level of joy that's why they drink it at the weddings but for me, it, because I, I do come from a place more of addictions and I do come place from, you know, families with addictions and things like that. And, and um, the temptation to over drink was my problem. Right now, if I were to drink a glass of wine, I still don't think I would feel like I've sinned. But because I know myself well enough, I kind of don't go down that path because I know that it would open up for me. It would want me to drink the second glass. And then the third glass would come about because the enemy would say that good feeling you're having, you're not going to keep it if you don't keep the alcohol coming. And so because of that, I have to stay away from it. But I don't judge somebody else who drinks the wine. Does that make sense? If they have a temperance, a tolerance to it. Not, not a tolerance, a temperance. Um, because but now if I see someone get drunk, now that would be, that would offend my spirit. You know what I mean? That would be offensive to me. Um, I would think you're not, you know, because the Bible specifically goes on and on about being drunk. And every bad thing that's probably happened to my life, on my account, not on any that someone's done to me, but everything that I've done to myself has been under the influence of alcohol. Had I not had alcohol in my body... I would not have walked down the path that I walked down, and I would not have opened doors that I opened. Period. Alcohol changed my life. So, and I don't know why we even play with alcohol, because we know what it's done to so many lives and has destroyed so many lives. And the drinking and driving and what has happened to people have lost their children and their families. And so, I mean, they were really playing with something of the devil's territory anyway. So, you know, I'll leave it there because that's between, that's, I don't like to condemn people on things that God's not condemning them on unless the Holy Spirit leads me down that to teach. Okay. But my, my thought today is not on that. My thought is trying to show you how, when I came out and began to get free, how I still sinned after getting set free, but it was different. I was under freedom now, and I was basically free to, well, let me not say it that way because that'll be taken wrong, but um, I let myself sin freely because I wanted to confront what was in me. 
I didn't want to suppress what was in me. I wanted to get it out of me. I want, and if I had a problem with an area, I just prayed about it and said, God, I need help. And as I grew closer to God and I focused more on him, more on the changes in my life, the less and less I desired sin. Because now my focus was different. I was changing. Under freedom, I began to change. And to this day, um, when I sin in a way like uh, most of my sin would always be mouth, my mouth getting me in trouble. That's where, you know, I have to uh, be most watchful. It's not literally ongoing out and doing something knowingly, okay? It's, for me, it's about my, again, it's about my mouth. So, when I mess up and I have done that, it's not that I feel guilt and like I'm on my way to hell or that God is over me upset. It's more like, oh God, I've made a step backwards. I've, I've, I've come so far. I don't like to lose my steps backwards. I don't want to get, you know, all the way, you know, you've walked, walked up this huge set of stairs and then all at once you have to start kind of taking a few steps back or at least that situation makes you feel like you're stepping back. I like my growth. So I work hard for my growth. I focus daily on growth. I focus daily on see. I mean, I dissect my, who I am so that I can purge my flesh and so that I can purge the desires, any strongholds, purging, anything that, that would be uh, unrighteous. I'm just constantly working on it and focusing every day on it. So when I mess up in the heat of a moment, someone's offended me and I speak out and I speak out, you know, not, I don't say bad words or I don't, I just get an attitude, you know, back. I don't want people to control me that way. And I don't want the enemy to be able to take a hold of me in that way. So it, it hurts me. So even though I feel that that's a sin, I don't, um, I don't feel the condemnation anymore. I'm free from condemnation. So basically, I know this is pretty long, and but I want to share my testimony. And I have a lot more I would like to say. But to be honest with you, I think if I go any longer, I've, I probably will lose my audience. But I'll leave it here today. I wanted to, to hopefully share that with someone. And maybe that will stir something that God has been, you know, trying to open your eyes to, because I believe if you take, if you're listening to this, it's probably because God wants to set you free from that spirit of condemnation, that religious spirit. And to be honest with you, that spirit is a cult and, uh, and the God wants to set your mind free from that cult like thinking. I pray that this will bless you as much as, as it's blessed me sharing it with you. And may your day be uh, filled with change, deliverance, and a new way of thinking that will set you free.